This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way, except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Adam. Hey, Devin. Uh, I'm sure you know uh, my wonderful boyfriend sent you a text uh, <laughs> outing me to the world saying that I went to uh, the house of God that is Taco Bell today for the first time in probably three months. Uh, and I know our episode today is about hoaxes, so I would like to talk about the fact that Taco Bell a few months ago said, you know our, you know all the cool stuff that you love? You know, your quesaritos, your quesalupas, mm-hmm. that's it. We're getting rid of all of them. Yeah, they took Screw them off the you. menu, right? They're all off the menu. But that's not true. It's a hoax. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> and it's, and honestly, it's an affront. Because turns out, if you get the Taco Bell app available wherever you get your apps, the Google Play Store, the Android App Store, the Apple App Store... You can order whatever the hell you want. <laughs> it's the Wild West on there. And these four people working at the Tacos Bell that have to create these things were told, hey, we're just going to do tacos now. We're going to do tacos, Cinnabon Delights, Cinnamon Twists, and Mountain Dew Baja Blast. And then they get their orders on the screen and it says, hey, hey, loser, make a quesalupa now. <laughs> Which I don't think is very fair to them. I don't think so either. It's very fair to me, because I loved my two quesalupas and two soft taco supremes with the large Mountain Dew Baja Blast <laughs> that I had today. Um, this episode is sponsored by Taco Bell, but not in the way that you're thinking. It's more of like an emotional sponsor. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's an it's emotional It's quite literally brought restaurant. to you by Taco Bell. <laughs> right. I today am brought to you by Taco Bell. We are not sponsored by Taco Bell. Um anyway. So I'm glad that uh, it's kind of bequ- Taco Bell's kind of bequeathed uh, this this current state of Devon, SOD state of Devon, um, yep. onto this is the state of Devon <laughs> onto the show today. because um, I've been a little like uh, I have to say I want to say miffed recently, oh. uh, a little on edge. Um, Speak your truth because I I've um, you know what really annoys me. Um, I came across a video actually while I was like, I wasn't even, oh, wait, 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 actually. wait, this is kind of like a, this is a little stand up thing. I'm going to introduce you. Oh no. Uh, hey everybody. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, no, I no. hope we're all doing well today. Uh, I'm leaning on the mic stand. Okay. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming to the comedy cellar. Glad you guys waited, uh, an hour and a half to get in here. Maybe you stopped at Palm Fried across the street. I bet that poutine was real good. Uh, first up on the stage, uh, how is everybody doing tonight? Good. All right. Uh, <laughs> The person on the stage uh, with his with his uh, oh. his witty mannerisms. No. It's Adam O'Connell. No, yay! yay. Uh, this is my worst nightmare. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> which would be a great opener, but okay. Tell some so jokes. If there <laughs> there are these videos online that are like we're counting down to the top fifteen videos that will make you poop your pants, and like ah. I. I didn't know where that one was going. Like I, I'm fine with those countdown videos. I'm a one of my biggest like guilty pleasures is Watch Mojo, um. So I'm uh, good with with countdown videos. But yeah. it's these kind of like creepy videos that take a like obviously like 
3D animated or rendered like horror video that some wonderful creator made and be like, this video was taken in December of 2004 in Illinois. In a small alley like, outside of Fishkill, New like York. Nobody knows what happened. Like, uh, we do know because if I like Google this video, I find like the creator's Twitter and stuff. Um, but people like it's so interesting because now we've got these videos that aren't intended to be hoaxes like they're supposed to be works of fiction that now right. like other accounts are taking and trying to spin it into a hoax even though it's very lazy hoaxing like you didn't even make the thing yeah not only did you not make the thing you didn't take the time to research the thing to like care about it enough to talk about it as not something fake yeah you know um but also then the idea of some of the, like the less heinous videos becoming these like cultural touchstones that people actually believed and may still believe to be true. Um, and I remember like as a kid in a lot of the kind of books that I read and TV shows that I watched, the like kind of weird world genre of of like fiction for kids. Um, one of the biggest things I always talked about was like P.T. Barnum and hoaxes and like the uh-huh. Fiji mermaid and stuff. I don't know Hate why that, that was such a big emphasis. Um but that's something that's always been very interesting Everybody to me. Everybody knows the New York public, you know, you had to take your hoax regents <laughs> at some point. <laughs> they weren't all the books that I read as a kid. Um, but as P.T. Barnum once said, or actually probably didn't say, we can't. Or if he did, he, he probably this. kind of bracketed it with some racial animus. Yeah, um, there's a sucker born every minute. Uh, and hoaxes have been a huge part of pop culture and an influence on pop culture for a really long time. Um, I mean, like. I don't want to talk about The Greatest Showman because I don't like that movie, but um, we made See, a I whole... I love the movie, Hate the Man. We made... Oh, both. I both. I don't like. But we I made a whole Dig Dang movie about scene, this hoax, man. The rooftop scene where you can see that the background is like a Sound of Music-esque painted cardboard that background. With. That's I not what that bugs me. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, but so, especially in the age of the internet where things are now much easier to fake... And the audience is primarily, I want to say gullible people, but like younger children yeah. and also older adults who aren't as experienced with the Internet, um, who are more easily swayed. Yeah. I think like five years ago, if you asked me if stuff was easier to fake now, I mm. would say no. But I think the past five years would show us that actually yeah. <laughs> people will believe you, yeah. even if you don't mean for them to believe you, if that makes sense. Right. You can go out and make something fully expecting everybody to not think you're serious about it. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly everybody's very serious about it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think horror and the weird is a very easy way to do that because it's because it's scary. It's much easier for your brain to fall into the trap of like, that's not real. But what if it was like, right, right, right. Like in horror movies, you're like, I know that's not real because you went into a movie theater and you paid $12. Are you kidding me? Oh, geez. Let me. I'm here at the comedy cellar. $12. Anyway, you know it's fake. Like, that's the whole point. But with the internet, you're like, what if? What if it isn't, though? Yeah. Um, And also, a lot of it is like super cool and you kind of want to believe it's real. Um, We've all seen like the. Do you remember the uh, Alexandria's Genesis or whatever? The whole purple eye thing that went around on Tumblr. I watched a video about that. I also. Was it the Izzy's video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also the Um, one of the, uh, the, oh, what's that? What's that gray, that silver haired guy that everybody kinned? Uh, the silver. uh, What's that guy's name? He's from, uh, Danganronpa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched that one too. 
where the kid who yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> quote unquote didn't actually which is phone. another hoax uh, um, yeah. that kid did not cut off his finger that kid is fine um but uh now oh yes yeah, so like alexandra's genesis was of course like you want to believe that the purple eye disease that gives you no body hair except for your head and your eyebrows and you don't have periods and you live until 115 of course you want that to be real but it's just simply uh. not um, and we all want it to be real and we all want purple eyes. Yeah. It's understandable. And also, not to mention the line between creepypasta and hoaxes have kind of been blurred. Like back in the early days of creepypasta on the Internet, it was always meant to be taken as fiction. Like this is a fictional right. horror story. And nowadays, a lot of modern creepypasta, the goal is to trick people into believing that it is real. Like that's what creepypasta is now, which is an interesting shift. Um, right. And it, and I would say that that shift came from the kind of uh, what is it called? Like genericization of mm-hmm. like creepypasta was no longer a website where fiction was held. But now creepypasta is a word for any kind of yeah. like Internet fictional horror. So like the person on Instagram who tried to tell people that a real life death game was happening, like in mm-hmm. Danganronpa is considered a creepypasta even though it's not yeah and it's also considered not fixed not intentionally fiction at the same time yeah um and to the point where like people are taking like those videos i talked about people are taking known fictional entities like siren head and slenderman and trying to present them as like yeah, actual like cryptids or like part of lore like oh this this lore has yeah, been around for hundreds people. of years yeah and you're like no that was created in, in yeah two years ago i saw him on twitter i saw him doing the gangnam style dance you know <laughs> yeah um so today i thought it would take uh be really fun to take a look at three like famous hoaxes kind of spanning throughout history and see exactly what they were and how they fooled everyone and kind of the evolution of um of of, of hoaxes of, of scary hoaxes uh as time has gone on uh, to which I would like to start with um, the Great Moon Hoax of 1835, which is a great name Ooh, for this yes. hoax. Um, so this is not to be confused uh, with any of the moon landing conspiracy theories, uh, as although numerous, this predates all of them. Um, yeah. So this hoax refers to a series of articles that were published in the New York Sun in 1835. Um, and the headline of these articles read Great Astronomical Discoveries Lately Made by Sir John Herschel. Um, and these articles described the recent discovery of new life on the moon, including bison, goats, unicorns, and these bipedal tailless beavers and yeah. bat-like winged humans dubbed Vespertilio Homo, who built temples. Um, That's my nickname in high school. <laughs> And there were also trees, beaches, and oceans. Um, something that they they were like, oh, there's something like 24 million organisms on the moon uh, that were all supposedly discovered by quote an immense telescope of entirely new principle. Love that. There's so much about this. Like Herschel is the guy who discovered uh, Uranus, I think. Mm-hmm. Like that's so smart of the Sun or whoever wrote this to be like, yeah, it was uh, John Herschel. You yeah. guys have heard of him, right? Yeah, it's like reading an article. Well, because here's the thing. It wasn't technically written by like they they presented the findings as being from Herschel. But they were like right. the guy who wrote this was a Dr. Andrew Grant, a supposed colleague of Herschel, who was very ah, real that's and a very it. famous astronomer at the time. So this is more like if you had if you saw like an article in The New York Times about like 
They were like new COVID findings from Dr. Fauci written by, oh, hi, my name is Greg. I'm a yeah. friend of Fauci's. Fauci. <laughs> Tony and I go way back. It'd be like if they said like new planet discovered past Pluto. It's gigantic. Uh <laughs> Uh, discovered by Michio Kaku's friend, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. <Like. laughs> um, and they were also advertised to be reprints from the Edinburgh Journal of Science, which, again, was a very real scientific yeah. journal. Um, so The Sun, which was previously penny journalism, meaning that it was like cheaper and less complex journalism at the time, they were almost like tabloids, but not quite And kind of yellow journalism before it was yellow journalism. Yeah. Um, But after the articles came up, absolutely shot up in popularity and sales. Uh, Everybody wanted to know. I mean, yeah, they published they published the fact that they were bat people on the moon. Of (laughs) course, they're going to sell a few extra papes, you know. Um, So when asked for proof of these findings, uh, the authors announced via the paper that the research had been destroyed by the destruction of the telescope, which had turned into a burning glass because of the sun and set fire to their observatory in Cape Town, South Africa. Ah, dang. Sorry, my my girlfriend uh, (laughs) from Canada, she was actually a big telescope that fell down and burned down. My magnum, my magnum telescope set my my (laughs) magnum lab on fire. <laughs> I don't have any Sorry, my, mo- my mom said that the telescope can't come to the party tonight. Uh, she doesn't want her. Friend. Also, you didn't see the fire because our lab is in Cape Town, South Africa. You've never been on a boat, idiots. <laughs> yeah, you morons. <laughs> Planes aren't even around anymore. How are you going to get there? So, so the Edinburgh Journal of Science had stopped publication years before this article came out. Hell and, yeah, uh, Doctor so Doctor Andrew Grant did not exist. Not a real person. Um, the article was most likely written by a Richard Adams Locke, who is it was a reporter for The Sun at the time, both as uh, a way to increase sales for The Sun and as a way to ridicule and make fun of some of the more extravagant, like astronomical theories of the time. I like that. That's good. It was supposed to be satire, like satire that also <laughs> increased sales. That's most but- hoaxes. Like, yeah, that's like most things are like, again, like the Internet thing of like, I created Siren Head because look, haha, look at it. be so cool and sweet. <laughs> and then everybody's like, whoa, this guy discovered a real Siren Head. Yeah. Um, and it, it, although it did take several year, uh, weeks before it was revealed to be a hoax and the newspaper did not issue a retraction after they revealed it Good. as a hoax. <laughs> Good. Um. So Herschel, who is the guy that the article accredited the findings to, was initially amused uh, by the hoax, saying that it was far more interesting than anything he's ever discovered, uh, but eventually became annoyed because as the years went by, he had to keep answering questions from people that thought the hoax was real and was asking about the bad uh, people. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> and I uh, like Herschel. He's a good guy. Apparently, people wanted to name Uranus after him and wanted to just name it Herschel. Uh, which I like quite yeah. a bit. Uh, sadly, that that didn't happen. But that guy, I like that guy. Um, Friend of the pod. Notably, Edgar Allan Poe uh, was notably annoyed by the hoax as he thought it was plagiarism of his short oh. story, The Unparalleled Adventure of One's Hans Fall, uh, which was published two months earlier under the, as like a newspaper article, under the headline, Lunar Discoveries, Extraordinary Aerial Voyage by Baron's, Baron Hans Fall, uh, which was intended to fool readers as well, but was less successful as it was too comedic and too satirical for people to take seriously. God, 
Mr. Dicklock really got <laughs> Mr. Poe. I love the name Hans Fall. Hans Something Fall. about that. Yeah. It's good. Um, but but uh, yeah, basically somebody did it two months uh, later than Poe and just did it better. Hell yeah. <laughs> Which so is... powerful. <laughs> um, I wish that happened more nowadays that you like a TV show gets canceled and like three months later, <laughs> just a better version of that shit can, comes out. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine how angry fans of Smash would be if two months after Smash started, there was another <laughs> show about a Broadway show, except this one is about like, I don't know, Angeline. Like the LA lady who puts up billboards of herself and drives around in a pink Lamborghini or whatever. And they're like, it just copied Smash. But it's better. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was uh, kind of one of the earliest, like, big hoaxes that kind of caught the public eye. Uh, and one of, uh, I want to move on to another one uh, that is probably one of the most, I think, famous hoaxes and one you've probably actually heard of. Um, the mm. 1938 War of the Worlds broadcast. That's with um, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Tom Cruise is in that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the War of the Worlds thing isn't technically really a hoax, or is it? Mm-hmm. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, um, so uh, we'll go through the story anyway, even though you've probably heard it before. So this incident, which occurred on October 30th, 1938, was a broadcast of Orson Welles' dramatic adaption of the H.G. Wells' H98 novel of the same name, Orson Welles radio play, H.G. Wells book. I always get right. that messed up. Um, yeah, me too. Are they related? I don't think so. That's wild. Because that's <laughs> what, like, in my brain, I'm like, as ah, probably his grandson yeah. or something. <laughs> um, so the first half of the radio play when it was broadcast, um, which, by the way, this was on a show that regularly did, like, dramatic versions of classic Fiction, literature. Yeah. yeah. Um, So the first half of this radio play was stylized as a radio broadcast. There was an introduction from Orson Welles being like, welcome to my play. Um, And then uh, please enjoy my play. I wrote it. It's fiction. None of it is real, but I hope you enjoy. Also, I'm in it. Enjoy. Um, It's fake again. Just to make sure I wrote it. It's all fake. I made it up. It's fiction. I made it up. It's fairy tales. But enjoy. Yes. And then people were like, aliens. So, so the first half was stylized as a radio broadcast, one or like two anchors, um, and including several unrelated interludes to make it seem more like a regular radio broadcast, which is very cool. And I like that a lot. Um, yeah. And then these interludes started to be interrupted by bulletins about Martians, inva- Martian invaders destroying the town of Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Uh, so this first act, this first part lasted for 38 minutes um, and was uh, like the finale was like a lone, uh, the lone anchor being like killed or blown up or something. And you hear uh-huh. like a ham radio in the distance going like, is anybody there? Is anybody there? Um, uh, this lasted for 38 minutes. Uh, after which there was an intermission uh, and the second half continued as a conventional radio drama about a survivor played by Wells. Um, so there was a little commercial break in between the two. Um, okay. And I've included a little bit of the script of what the uh, oh. beginning uh, may have sounded like uh, the first okay. half. So, uh, Devin, if you would be so kind as to oh, I know you course. get you get readings uh, as, a, as a voice actor, you get uh, <laughs> you you're often asked to read things and have it back to them in like 20 minutes. Hmm. So uh, yeah. if you'll just uh, if you'll just give me one of these, uh, this is Phillips. Uh, sure, sure. I'm gonna do a kind of classic radio voice. Uh, that's you exactly know, like, a transatlantic you know, accent. The dirigible races. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. 
what's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror and it leaps right to the advancing men. It strikes them head on. Good lord. They're turning into flame. Ah! Oh, God. Ah! Tell my wife I love her. Now the whole field's caught fire. The woods, the barns, the gas tanks of automobiles. It's spreading everywhere. It's coming this way uh, about 20 yards to my right. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I read like that pronunciation of automobiles. It's exactly how you should have said it. That's how they did. That's how they said it. <laughs> automobiles. Um, so yes, that's what it would have sounded like. So. Exactly. <laughs> if you look it up, that's exactly <laughs> what it sounded like. Yeah. Um, so about a minute before the scheduled like act break, a CBS supervisor in the studio received a phone call from higher ups ordering them to immediately interrupt the broad the broadcast and send out a message saying that the broadcast was a fiction. Um, within the next hour or so, the studio is flooded with police officers, with crew members trying to keep them from bursting into the recording booth and ruining the show. And when <laughs> the, show the broadcast go on, please. <laughs> and when the broadcast finished, the studio is flooded with phone calls from enraged city officials, as allegedly many had tuned into the broadcast late, missed Orson Welles's intro, and had mistaken it as a real disaster and a real radio report of an alien invasion there were people fleeing from their cars on the street leading to traffic injuries and deaths people getting hit by cars there was a stampede in jersey hall mass hysteria there a man shot at a water tower because he thought it was a ufo touching ground and the next day this is what happens if you let a pool hall into your town (laughs) mass hysteria dog and cats living together devil's playground (laughs) trouble (laughs) and uh thank you to the four people listening to this i got that i got Um, that yeah Uh, So the next day, um, the newspapers were reporting mass hysteria across the country. So technically, this was not a hoax, as Orson Welles never intended for this to fool anybody. And it was always meant to be mistaken, to be taken as fiction. But all of what I just said about the mass hysteria is probably a hoax. Um, According to Snopes and some deep dives by NPR and Slate, the just to be clear, first off, we do. I I don't know about you. This half of the podcast over here on the Upper East Side, anti Snopes. But please go on. Oh, oh, why? What's wrong with Snopes on the Upper East Side? It's okay. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Um. So like this mass panic was probably blown way, 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 way out of proportion over the years. Um, Really in the early 2000s is when uh, they kind of started to discover that it probably wasn't as bad as they thought it was. Uh, Meaning it was common knowledge that this caused a huge panic for a long time. Um, Yeah, I always heard that like people talked about the fact that like they would go outside and they thought that they saw like lights in the distance or like smelled sulfur and stuff. Yeah. In Jersey. It's one of those Jersey things. Yeah. So for starters, only 2% of regular radio listeners that evening were turned into, uh, were tuned into Wells's broadcast. Uh, were most, turned into aliens. <laughs> most people were actually listening to uh, ventriloquist Edgar Bergen's program, uh, Chase and Sanborn Hour, which <laughs> I have a question. I like Edgar Bergen. I love Edgar Bergen. I too grew up watching Fun and Fancy Free, um, but... What's the point of watching a vent- of listening to a ventriloquist over the radio? Uh, that's a hilarious idea. I'm also just imagining the modern day version of this is like, yeah, some random satirist that we've never heard of did this did this program, and two percent of people were listening to it, and sixty percent were listening to an old rerun of a Jeff Dunham special. 
<laughs> yeah, basically. Um, so while newspapers were reporting widespread panic and then rumors of actual death circulated, not a single newspaper could officially accredit a death or an injury as a result of the broadcast. Um, not only did newspapers sensationalize it, but the reason they did this was to discredit radio as a means of journalism because yes. this was a medium like, wars. Yeah. So in the 40s, like people started to get their news over the radio a lot. And, you know, we talk about newspapers being threatened over the years, especially now. But like this was a huge, huge period of time yeah. when uh, newspapers were falling out of favor um, in favor of radios. Um, so this was kind of like by sensationalizing it in the newspapers. Um, it was like, well, see what the look what the radio did. You guys all thought that was real news and it caused a mass yeah. panic. That's like literally what a lot of big mainstream TV cable news shows would like say about any small online piece of journalism from something like Slate or Insider or even like BuzzFeed mm -hmm. where they're like, you guys believe this story was real? Oh, I guess online journalism's always wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, so the most common reaction from people was allegedly just calling into the station and just double checking that this was indeed fake <laughs> listening to an intern for the 50th time go yeah no ma'am aliens <laughs> no aren't aliens. real <laughs> i've been here for four hours i really just want to go get taco bell and go home and go sleep I that was go my 1940s taco my, bell <laughs> yeah that's my little we have to do at least one insert for the ad money oh, right, to, right. to go through <laughs> so um that and like it's interesting because people like either take this one as like oh the broadcast was a hoax but that it was never supposed to be a hoax the thing that's the hoax is the uh the the inciting of mass um mass panic and, and and mass hysteria um it's a fun story nonetheless um oh yeah but and and there you know there were like i said there were the calls into the station um but ain't nobody yeah. was shooting at water towers Right. I mean, somebody might have shouted at like, we don't know. <laughs> just because. But like, yeah, just because they don't like uh, <laughs> like institutionalized water storage. Uh, it's also like, it's one of those things that we talk about now that's like, not only was it a sensationalism thing then, but even in the early 2000s, it was kind of a romantization of like a bygone era when people believed stuff they heard on the radio. Yeah. You know? Like it was, it was like, oh, wasn't that sweet when, when half of Northern Jersey <laughs> freaked out, <laughs> freaked out because of some, some little ditty on the radio. So finally, as our kind of third big hoax, and this is going to kind of bring us into the modern era, uh, I want to talk about Momo. And the reason that I picked Momo, because Momo's just the, one the, of the lemur monkey from Avatar Last Airbender. What is, did he do wrong? Is his name is, also Momo? Yeah. That's unfortunate for Momo's canceled. <laughs> he did a hoax on the internet and now it's canceled. Um oh, PC culture coming for the lemur monkeys. The reason that I picked Momo, because Momo is truly one of a hundred million of like scary internet hoaxes that I could have picked. Um yeah. the reason that I picked Momo is because I what came up with my YouTube recommended was that <laughs> The SNL sketch where it's Bok Bok and she's the she's the mascot of like a chicken fast food place. And the whole commercial is like we wanted to address that like our um our mascot Bok Bok is definitely not Momo in a chicken suit. And it's 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 Crate McKinnon. It's very funny. Um, But so That's, it made me start thinking about also, Momo again. 
It's also just such a specific pull. Like there are a ton of internet spooky challenges that we can talk about we and that we have talked about. Like mm-hmm. I also think another one in the style of Momo is like uh like Charlie Charlie. Yeah. Like they're very it it is they are perfect to talk about in this context because they are just quintessential internet hoaxes. Yeah. Like they are it it is really a perfect choice. And this is probably the one like along after Slenderman, this was I think the one that caused one of the biggest kind of moral panics. Yeah. Um, so, uh, context on Momo, uh, this showed up in about 2018 for the first time on YouTube, analyzed by a couple different channels. One of the most notable coming from a channel called Rainbot. Um, I'm 2018. Like I, I could have, would have told you that it was earlier, but yeah, I would have told you it was like 2015. That's <laughs> wild. So the original story we're goes. We're so old, Adam. <laughs> I know. We're the, so old. We're old and decrepit. <laughs> we're withering away. The original story goes that there was a Momo account that you could message on WhatsApp. And when you message this account, Momo would know things about you, know your name and your address or whatever. And Momo would try. So basically and, at this point, he was just a kind of uh, who's an Akinator type. Yeah, you could in do, a way. You could play 20 questions with Momo. <laughs> but so Momo would try and convince you to give them your cell phone number. Um, and then Momo would then ask them to complete certain tasks with threats of violence if they refuse, eventually resulting in self-harm and suicide. Not dissimilar from the blue whale challenge moral panic that had happened maybe right. five years earlier on the Internet. Because I remember that one from middle school. Um, yeah, there's the, always like the problem I have with this concept. If you think it through, mm-hmm. if the the threats like, OK, you do the, all these tasks, you know, go and get me three Ticonderoga pencils and you like go and you get them and okay but like you're threatened with violence if you refuse right Uh uh-huh but then the end the ending task that you have to do yeah I guess at that point violence yeah if you refuse it does she kill you because then like either way yeah you're kind of screwed which doesn't seem fair to me yeah really you gotta take the little bit of violence like if you don't get her three Ticonderoga pencils the violence she's gonna do is like She's got to kind of just hit you with one of those slap bracelets <laughs> from 2003 is the violence. Anyway, um, so the, the actual not to poke holes. Yeah. In, in, in the, the Momo, Momo lore. hoax. Um, yeah. The whole the, the actual like supernatural part of the Momo lore is pretty mixed. Like there's no kind of one accepted canon of Momo, partially because okay. she very quickly kind of went from a th- thing that kids talk to each other about to a thing that almost exclusively adults talked about. Yeah. And there was that middle point when a bunch of garbage adults who ran YouTube videos yeah. that capitalize on children talked about it. Yeah. And so that all gets mixed up as well. Um, but so there have there's been like, oh, she's like a yokai. She's a demon. She's a spirit. It's not entirely clear. And there's not an accepted general canon of what she is, mostly because like. What's your head canon she, <laughs> for Momo? Leave it in the comments below. She didn't have the time to develop on the internet like Slenderman did where like the kids because the weird thing about Slenderman is like Slenderman was kind of just internet peoples for a while and it took the stabbing to kind of bring it into the public eye um Momo kind of did it quite quickly um it doesn't really matter because her picture is what's so horrifying about her um it's this picture and you've probably seen it it's this woman with thin black hair these huge bug eyes this like flat voldemort nose oh yeah i hate that a, oh, okay. a pointed yeah, yeah, yeah. smile that Ooh. stretches all the way to her ears um yeah, she's I just very scary that up, looking and then i didn't like it don't look this up <laughs> uh, up, so i hated that very much 
A panic began to sweep internationally, actually, especially in uh, the United States, uh, the UK and Latin American countries. Um, And it was reported that a 14 year old had contact with Momo, which escalated in the boy like screaming rapidly. And the mom came to investigate and she found the the WhatsApp chat log with Momo. And Momo sent the boy a picture of uh, a drawing and these two like graphic kind of disturbing gore videos, which allegedly escalated to the boy having a seizure, making the mother bring the boy to the hospital. Ask me if that's real. It's not. It's not real. No. Yeah. Um, Also, this is a great kind of what this actually came from was it came from Telegram because Telegram was just trying to take WhatsApp (laughs) down a notch. I guess. And they wanted to get into the the end-to-end encryption type chat. So this, like... This moral panic really exploded in 2019 when um, Kim Kardashian reposted something on her Instagram story warning other parents about the, quote, Momo challenge. Um, You're telling me that Northwest was like sitting in her room on WhatsApp? And she found Momo. What are you talking about? Well, she didn't. It wasn't even Kim's post. She reshared it from another parent. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, how like the Momo challenge, which was kind of like the do the things or violence, and then how Momo was also appearing in otherwise innocuous. You could also cha- you could call a lot of if that's what a challenge is. <laughs> we can call most of like imperial history. This is this is yeah. the Persian Empire challenge. This is I guess stupid. Um, and um, how Momo was appearing in these children's videos and cartoons like otherwise innocuous and she was just like images of her were flashing or she would like make appearances um and so there started to be footage circulation of her showing up in videos like one with her face over this hypnotic spiral threatening viewers and asking them to harm themselves or just flashes of her picture uh in the middle of videos youtube came out and said that there was no evidence of this being true um Right. That was kind of also at the height of the discussion around YouTube and their kind of suggestion holes. Yeah. And how and El- this is the same time as like Elsagate and stuff. Right. And so you have uh, and kind of on both ends, you have people talking about how, you know, autoplay and mini player are such a problem for kids because there's these rabbit holes of suggestions and also people uh, like me saying, hey, autoplay and auto suggest like radicalizes people and Mm -hmm. pushes them eventually towards I would fall asleep watching Northern Lion episode 950 of playing the Binding of Isaac and wake up to some (laughs) alt-right (laughs) neo-Nazi propaganda video and saying maybe that's a problem and then YouTube fixed one of those problems yeah Um, (laughs) and not the other so um like YouTube said that this is not happening and like there, sure, there was footage of like kids' videos with Momos in the middle, but of those were specifically made by people after who were, the yeah, allegation. Yeah, who right. were like, "Oh, parents think this is happening. Cool, I'm gonna make one." Um, yeah. So, and because they were tagged, they were showing up on like the YouTube Kids app or something. Of course. Um, so, Momos kind of a prime example of something being as as real as we make it. Um, because it was all an overblown hoax. There were no suicides or injuries connected with the Momo challenge. Um, and the fact that the, that she became this kind of moral panic is probably what led to like her appearing in videos and her presence online. Um, the right. image it's circulating the Streisand effect. 
Yeah, exactly. That, we should rename the Streisand effect the into Momo the Momo effect. effect. <laughs> she deserves it. The image circulating of Momo is actually a photo of a 2016 uh, sculpture of a Japanese uh, artist, Kazuke Aizawa. Uh, named oh, Mother. I'm so sorry, Aizawa son. Yeah. It's a beautiful sculpture. Yeah, it's called Mother like Bird. It. It's an awesome sculpture if you look at the whole thing. Um, very scary, but awesome. Aizawa had no connection to the Momo mythology. And although he said that he enjoyed re- reading some of the lore, um, he actually dismantled the original sculpture in 2019, partly because it was rotting. And also kind okay. of because of Momo sure. uh, and yeah. put out a statement stating that, uh, quote, the children can be assured that Momo is dead and the curse is broken. Uh, um, uh, that's incredible. It is a pretty cool lifespan for a piece of art. That's um, so cool. So and we've talked about moral panics on the show before. Um, but, you know, it's one way to make something maybe real and potentially dangerous and absolutely huge. Giving it to like news, like the local news station and. Letting them sensationalize yeah. it and sending parents into a frenzy. And listen, the internet is a can be a scary place for parents of young kids, and I do not blame them at all. Um, but more right. often than not, seemingly innocuous, innocent memes and jokes on the internet get taken out of context and get dubbed as dangerous trends by both media outlets and parents that are looking for a reason to demonize the internet. Yeah, um, and often those creations are products of, in some way, marginalized communities. Like, on one end, you have, like, horror stuff, and then that's, like, on the most benign. You kind of understand why parents would say, hey, we don't want our kids being exposed to horror content. And But that same exact, like, rhetorical tactic is used to, like, keep, like, black and brown dancers from, like, doing, like, twerking on TikTok. It's yeah. like, well, those be, that's not the same thing. Stream, stream, call me by your name. I will not sex, by the way. Um, oh, yes. I'm, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> I get I get one. <laughs> you get one. Um, so like this happens all the time. Blue whale challenge, Momo, eating Tide Pods, snorting condoms, talking Angela. Like there's always going to be one of these. Um, and so the question is, like, why do parents always fall for these things? It's because younger kids also fall for them like think about the largest part of an audience for a lot of internet spaces they are young kids and gullible older folks and the part of a kid's life where they truly begin to understand reality versus fiction comes a lot later than most people think and when kids see this kind of thing online and start to hear about it especially when they start to like make up stories in the comments of like oh i did the momo challenge and x y and z happened because they right. want to get likes on their comment you can't blame yeah. them for for believing it. And that's it. not just likes on the internet. Every kid did that, like on the playground. Yeah, like, hell yeah, I knew the Jonas Brothers. Kids lie. <laughs> yeah, we lie because yeah. we want people to like us. So the Momo challenge wasn't a real problem, but when kids showed it to their parents, it became a real problem. Um, right. I don't know what my thesis of that is. Uh, I think there we is we, none. we talked in the somebody mentioned in the stream, like because we were playing Five Nights at Freddy's, that like. About kids in horror spaces and that doesn't mean that that kids shouldn't be able to experience like horror appropriate for their age level there's so there's goosebumps there's stuff like right. are you, goosebump uh, exists uh what rl stein erasure yeah there's scary stories to tell in the dark there's uh, tons and tons of amazing like entry-level horror things for kids um but on a place that is so often like on a place that is as free and open as the internet um remember that often kids are in your spaces uh, whether they're supposed to be or not. Right. 
Yeah, and there there should be a community led effort to moderate spaces that are not meant for children and make sure that children aren't being not just allowed but being uh in some ways like courted in terms of their like courted for their attention mm-hmm. in those spaces. And that's especially true on places like YouTube where children as a demographic are seen as incredibly lucrative. Yeah. Like because of their ability to just like watch click the like button yeah and comment whatever the hell uh yeah yeah you see that but it should be a community-led piece of moderate moderation effort it should not be parents who have no idea what what the what is actually going on in those communities yeah. trying to moderate through some draconian uh robotic auto filter yeah you see that you learned a lesson in this episode <laughs> you see that call your representatives <laughs> Did you come here to learn? No, but you did. I think that's a good thesis for the podcast. Yeah. Did you come here to learn? No, but you did. But you did. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for our, our a little adventure through some uh, hoaxes throughout history. Yeah, that's lovely. Thank you so much for listening to this episode 56 of The Great American Screen. Over did the hill, enjoy? baby. Over the hill. Everybody knows 55 is where most podcasts stop, and we pushed right past that barrier, <laughs> baby. We're in it now. We got to syndication. We have sponsorships I from can't, Taco Bell. Can't wait till we're doing episode like 187 and it's about like one specific scene <laughs> in like one <laughs> Slender game. We specifically have to go scene through scene. Yeah. Through uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the gay one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which we will do. Anyway, don't <laughs> We will absolutely yeah. do. Episode 300 to 320 will yeah. be scene by scene uh thank you so much for listening once again if you enjoyed please leave a written review on itunes follow us on spotify share on your favorite social medias and tell a friend about the show it's the best way to spread the word also we have a patreon at www.patreon.com slash great screen pod tons of great rewards there if you're able and willing to financially support the show Adam, can you pinpoint our social medias, please? Yes, you can check us out on Facebook at The Great American Scream or more frequently on Twitter and Instagram at Great Scream Pod. Um, please send us your favorite hoaxes throughout history, uh, ones that we didn't talk about. Um, you can post or tweet at us using the hashtag TGAS. And as always, if there is something that you would like to hear about on the show, uh, tweet it at us because your suggestion may become the topic for a future episode. Yes. A special thank you goes out to Michael Segudo for doing the disclaimer to the pod, as well as Stevie Viola, who does the intro and outro music. And starting this week, we'll uh, start to thank patrons at the Man in the Fields tier or higher. So special thank you goes out to Regina. Thank you, new patron. We love you and thank you so much for supporting the show. Also, thank you to Ben, Bree, Gail, Joyce, Melinda, and Chris. Yes, thank you, uh, our our men, uh, ladies and folks of the fields. And above. I think we have uh, some three kings in there as well. So thank you. <laughs> Go off, kings. Go off, three kings. Uh, I've been Devin Wright. I've been Adam O'Connell. And hopefully you have been spooked. Don't forget, order a case of Lupa on the Taco Bell app now. <laughs> we are not sponsored by Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're gonna think outside the bun, think safely. <laughs> can we use that? Absolutely, we can. Great. It's a podcast. Who cares? Excellent. <laughs>